Okay, Wiz, how we doing? This is uh, going to be our last segment talking about the specific positions. We've been running through each one, one of them one by one, uh, doing a little bit of a recap of last year and what we're kind of looking for going forward to the new year. Uh, defense slash special teams, uh, certainly an important category because as we both know, defenses – I know it's an age of offense. There are certain defenses, not very many these days, but that can still be a very dominant force um, in fantasy. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. How are we doing? Doing very, very well. Um, you know, the thing about defense um, slash special teams is, you know, a lot of leagues, they do things uh, very differently. Um and while I, I believe most leagues do have defense and in terms of the teams, there are leagues that uh, really go out there and venture out into specific players. <clears throat> so uh, yes, tackle, sacks, interceptions, fumble recovered for, for individual defensive players. But we're going we're gonna to do what, and focus on what the majority of leagues um, do, which is defensive teams. Um, Defensive, you know, with special teams as well. So I think there are, you know, a lot of ways people kind of go about ranking how they want to get their defenses for the upcoming year. Oh, you know, the ability of the defense, the division that they're in, kind of the competition. Uh, yeah, are they in a bad weather defense where some of those games that they're going to be playing is going to be in terrible weather? Uh, people look at just the playoff weeks and, and see what the matchups. Um, yeah, are you trying to get a defense that's on a very good team that may be leading a lot of games? So there's a lot of different ways to go about it. When, when you're analyzing and handicapping and ranking your defenses for the upcoming fantasy football season, which of those do you kind of use as your uh, format? So I think schedule is really, really important. I think some divisions, as we look at in football, are stronger than others. Um, I go into each and every season expecting to make the playoffs. So one of the first things that I look at is kind of, if we look at like weeks, most leagues finish up their season in week 16. So I really want to see at the end of the season, say week 13, week 12 through 16, what a schedule is going to look like. So if a team is, even if it's a good defense and, and they're out there playing against some potent offenses late in the season, that could potentially be an, uh, a defense that I shy away from. Uh, so schedule is, is a factor. I do like to look at teams that are playing those softer schedules. I like to look at teams where... There are real difference makers in terms of personnel, uh, you know, players that actually stand out as highlight defenders in the league, you know, guys that get sacks or interceptions or help turn the ball over a lot. So those are definitely factors that I look at um, when I'm when I'm going into picking a defense. And I think, you know, some years those defenses are very obvious. In other years, they kind of creep up as the first couple of weeks in the season uh, kind of move through. And, and, and I think we could say that, like, for example, if like a defense like the 49ers last year, which in a lot of leagues probably weren't drafted as a top 12 defense, but we started to recognize very soon in the season that they were, they were a formidable uh, outfit. Yeah, so, so let's get into specifics here. If you were looking at a defense and you felt they kind of had a very <clears> – <throat> Good schedule for their defense special teams for the fantasy football regular season, but a extremely difficult 
fantasy football playoff schedule, how would you go about drafting and thinking about that team for the upcoming year? So I would say if I had the ability, and some leagues you do have the ability to carry two defenses, I'd want some kind of backup plan for that strong defense during the regular season, but maybe have something in place such that you have some support when they have those more difficult matchups later in the season where you wouldn't be afraid to put another defense in there and help you out. So while that defense can certainly be a big part of what you do during the regular season, because the regular season does matter getting you to that last point, you still maybe need to have a little bit of a backup plan uh I think we've talked about kind of handcuffs. So it would almost be like a handcuff in, in, on the defensive side. So when you, I know, you know, basically your, one of your strategies in leagues is it, it doesn't matter to you whether it's, you know, mandatory two defenses you have to draft or even if you could just draft one. Well, one of the things that you like to do is you like to kind of mix and match. You're looking at a defense that you really like, and then what you are trying to do is on those difficult weeks that you forecast for those defenses, you're going to try and draft another defense that has more ideal matchups. So is that true? And then talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's definitely something that I like to do. And, I'll, you know, so so let's say, and, and it happened in, in a couple of leagues that we were in. So I really like the – the Steeler defense last year, and I really liked the Ravens defense last year. And the Ravens I was going to kind of probably use as my number one defense, but I looked at their schedule late in the season. They, they had some great attractive matchups early, but then they had some really challenging matchups. And, and, and I, when I looked at the two schedules, I balanced it out. I literally put the two teams next to one another. I looked at the schedules. I, I, saw, I, I looked each week to see who I would use in that situation. So I will do something that thorough – uh, even before my drafts start to kind of think about what I anticipate is going to happen in those games based on the matchups that they have in coinciding weeks. I'm guessing we kind of had the same idea because in the league that I drafted against you, I drafted the Steelers and Ravens. <laughs> Great minds think alike. So I guess, I, guess, uh, I guess sometimes people who have, uh, you know, uh, Decent strategies can 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 kind of land on the, the same landing spot there. Um, and some leagues, and, and like we said, some leagues you're not you not you're not mandated to carry two. But in the league, right. but in this particular league that we were talking about, that we were partners in, we decided to carry the two defenses because we we thought that was a good strategy for our season. This this way we could sleep at night. Yeah, no, no, there's definitely uh, there's, there's definitely um, there's definitely. Uh, a reason to to go about it that way. Um, if you, what do you think about a team that doesn't necessarily have a great defense on paper, but they're going to be ahead in most games, which will allow their their pass rush to get after the pass. So let me give a real specific example. So a team that's not great on defense of the Kansas City Chiefs, but you just figure they're going to be winning a lot of games and in the position to get sacks and interceptions at the end of the game. How do you how do you analyze and view a team like that, that on paper, certainly not a top 10 defense, but in the positions that they find themselves in game flow, it, it lends itself to putting up good numbers. So that, that ended up being an interesting defense as the season evolved last year because when they started the season, they were getting run over wherever we looked. 
And the second half of the season, and they did, ha- they had a new defensive coordinator, a guy that's been a quarter in the league, but I think they were, and they had new personnel as well. But, but I think to your point, yes. So when you have a situation where teams that are going to be ahead a lot, you know, maybe, maybe they're, they're, they're going to be getting after the quarterback a little bit more, maybe, other teams that are opposing them have to take shots down the field, have to take some gambles. So they're they're going to be in situations where they're going to be able to get turnovers as a result of that, pickoffs, for example. So, yeah, that, that lends itself. But actually, that's an interesting defense that you mentioned because they really played well in the second half of the season. They started off bumpy and they, and they came on, and I think that's part of it. You know, sometimes teams take a while to kind of find their rhythm. But, but I like the analysis that you do because I think a team that is ahead a lot – is going to have teams that are definitely trying to throw a lot against them and maybe have to take some gambles and gambles usually end up badly. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you like to draft two defenses uh, for the mix and match game, but you know, let's talk about when you don't have ideal situations. Um, So we kind of like want to address all possible scenarios. So what do you do in a situation where you have an elite defense and an average defense. But let's use the Patriots, for example. Let's say you had the Patriots defense from last year with the way they were rolling, and they're playing at New Orleans against Drew Brees in that dome. And then your other defense is like the Jets, and they're playing Cincinnati. What's the thought process? Because, you know, when it comes to offensive players, if I have Pat Mahomes, I don't care who he's throwing the ball against. I'm starting him. I'm not looking in matchups. I, can, I don't care if he's playing against the 85 Bears. I'm starting that player. I'm not going to start and lose a game by starting a average or above average quarterback against a poor defense. But the defensive aspect of that, I wonder what the, what's, the, what's the thinking and what's the strategy when you have an elite defense going against an elite offense versus a subpar defense or average defense in what appears to be a good matchup. How do you go about that? Yeah, so as the rules of football have changed, my philosophy has changed on this. If you would have asked me that 10 years ago, I probably would have played the good defense no matter what. This day and age where the rules are in favor of the offensive players, you know, pass interference and such, uh, I would I would lean towards not playing a defense like the Patriots, who were a great defense last year for a variety of reasons. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, but I would lean towards playing the Jets against a, uh, an offensive team that was struggling. A.J. Green was out last year. They didn't have really strong offensive personnel. So rather than take my chances of going against Drew Brees and 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 the, and a formidable offense in the New, in the New Orleans Saints, as good as the Patriot defense was, I'd probably use a Jet defense against Cincinnati, especially if they were home. I think there is a home field. Looking at matchups too, like in the example that you just mentioned, if you if that team is playing at home, it's an even more enticing. Uh, uh, choice to go with the lesser defense against the lesser opponent. So you're playing matchups to the, to the Zenith. I mean, you're, 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 you're really going to the, to the, to the highest grades as far as the matchup game, you will look to attack more of the opponent than your own defense when it comes to making a, a final call on that. I would agree with that. Yes. Okay, that's that that that's interesting. Um, and and what about 
weather. H- how do you forecast that? You have a, a defense. Well, let's use Green Bay as a perfect example for this. So Green Bay is certainly you have their moments on defense, but for the most part, they're not going to be fantastic. But you look at the schedule and you see they have two fantasy football home games, what potential could be 14 below zero and impossible to throw the ball. When it comes to weather regarding defenses, will you give a big upgrade to your draft notes for defense that could be potentially potentially be playing playing in a, in a, in, a, in a horrific weather conditions so I, I it's interesting that you bring that defense up I had the specific situation occur where I I needed a defense for late in the season I, I didn't the two defenses I drafted what one was a solid one the other one just wasn't cooperating and I needed some help into the playoffs. And I started looking the Packers were a free agent in this particular league and I looked at their matchups at the end of the year. And they, they, they were playing, the I think it was the Giants, the Redskins, and the Bears in back-to-back-to-back weeks. And all of them looked to be cold-weather games. I'm anticipating cold-weather games, whether they were playing home or away. And I think in two of the three, they were actually the home team. And I said, you know what? The Packers actually had a much improved defense last year. I was surprised that they were actually still on the, on the free agent wire. And I went and I got them, and it was a huge huge win in that they they had strong efforts in all of them. So late in the season, I am looking very closely at weather. I'm watching weather weekly. You know, early in the season, games can be affected by hurricanes, uh, so high winds and such. So I am a weather watcher. Um, you, you know I like to update you when I, when I see weather that's going on. So I, it's something that I watch very closely, and particularly late in the season, it's a, it's a big factor. And, and to mention the, the Patriot defense, for example, who – Last year in a division where the other three teams in their division were not explosive offenses, all of them are cold-weather places to play, and the Patriots themselves had a very formidable defense. That was a, that was a good reason to own the Patriots' defense last year, knowing that eight of their games were going to be played in Foxborough. And in addition, if it was late in the season that they were playing in, in places like Buffalo and the Jets, those are two cold weather games that you have to look at as well. Agree. And there's another aspect to this that I, that I find interesting. It's something that I definitely look at. I consider, I'm wondering what your thoughts are, are on this. How much do you consider, think about, analyze the offensive ability of the defense you're going to draft? Let's use another specific. Let's go with the Chicago Bears. On paper, they are rock solid on defense, an elite defense. Um, But if your offense can't move the ball, if they can't get first downs, it doesn't matter how good your defense is. If they are on the field all game, eventually you're going to wilt and you're going to give up points and yardage and points against and, and all of that. Um, so is that something that you take into consideration? Do you think that's something that people should be looking at? Because I know I look at it and I think, you know, people think I'm drafting the the defense. What the heck is the offense? But if, if the offense of your defensive team cannot possess the ball and make first downs and be in winning situations, 
you know, I think the defense of that team has to take a downgrade. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? So I'm, I'm a Giant fan. I'm a Bill Parcells guy. Time of possession is a huge thing to me. I have always said one of the biggest factors that drives the success of a football team on both sides of the ball is an offensive line. If your offensive line is strong, you're able to control the clock. You're able to control your time of possession. Hence, your defense gets an opportunity to rest. And I think last year we may have seen that at times. The the Ravens might not have had the best defense. They ended up being a a solid defense from fantasy perspective last year. But not, not as good as they were back in the days of Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. But they benefited by the fact that their offense was running the ball. The clock was moving a lot. And they were able to kind of keep the flow of the game in, in, in their favor. So I like to look at the potency of the offensive line as what it may mean for my defense, as crazy as that sounds. Okay, so you, are, you, you certainly are considering the offensive abilities of the defense that you're drafting. Yes, most definitely. Because you don't, you know, you don't, you just don't want your defense to be on the field. You want to be playing with a lead. You don't want to be on the field. You want to be fresh. You don't want to be out there every play and just have the the, the opposing team run the ball down your throat, play after play after play. Because the offense of that defense can't can't convert a first down. So that that's definitely something um, I take into consideration. What about? Can, I, can these- I just can I just stop you and 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 the Bears specifically? The Bears were the number. Now the Bears were better offensively in two, and this is perfectly in line with what you're talking about. In 2018, the Bear offense was a bit more efficient than it was la- uh, last year. Their defense was the number one fantasy defense. And to your po- and, and to your point, what happened last year? Trubisky really struggled. I agree with you in that Matt Nagy, as a coach, struggled. The offense, all all by itself, lended itself to keeping its defense, the Chicago Bear defense on the field all too frequently. And the Bears dropped from a top defense in 2018. And I want to say last year, they were just a middle-of-the-road defense, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, certainly, exactly. Um, it, really, it really matters. Uh, I think it's, it's, an, it's an important aspect that's really, um, you know, not, not looked at enough, certainly. And, um, well, what about... Uh, how much do you take in consideration some of these teams that play at home? And again, you know, their defense may not be elite, but it's just difficult for the other team to hear plays, um, run their offense, and, and do the things they want to do. Like, for instance, two specific examples that I, I think the defenses are, are okay but they're certainly not elite defenses. The Saints and Seahawks, Seahawks obviously were elite for many years, but that's not the case now. And the Saints as well. But when these teams play at home and they have a lead, that crowd noise really makes it difficult for the offense to do what they want to do. Do you, do you take that in consideration? Not so much for your season-long analysis and rankings, but on a weekly analysis who you might start in a particular situation. No question. You know, those two teams in particular that you highlight are, are, are in Seattle and New Orleans, two of the toughest buildings to play in, in terms of, in terms of from an audible standpoint, I think Kansas city would actually fall into that group as well. Um, But yes, I would take that in consideration, especially they are different defenses home versus away without a doubt. 
And I and I'd say this, Brett, and I'd say this, Brett. Like, like I look at each and every year. You know, there are surprises to the upside and downside, right? Like so. So I think I think it's always always tricky. But I think you want to have a view. We had a couple of views on defenses last year. I think. You know, I don't want to talk too much right now about defenses, like specific defenses for the coming year, because I think the the draft is going to be important. There are certain teams that, that de- definitely are set up for success again this year. I think the Steelers are one of them, and they'll continue to add pieces. But I would want to wait to see till everything is kind of the, the, the dust settles before we kind of make a, 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 a big push towards one defense or another. I, I wanted to ask you one other thing, Brett. Like, one of the things that gets talked about a lot and, and – in most of the leagues that I am in, we play using yardage as a category. Um, the league that you run, we don't, uh, and we give more we give more credit for the turnover and things like that. What's your view on that? Yeah, I I, I, I don't like yardage against. I don't think it's a true indicator of the game. Um, you, you can have a team that has played just absolutely brilliant, you know, football for 40 minutes and they have a big lead. And now it's five minutes to go in the third quarter and they are giving up, you know, these little, dro- you know, drop off passes, play after play after play after play. And the yardage is rolling up. The team doesn't care. They're going to give all of you, the, you know, they're going to keep the ball in bounds and they want to, you know, keep the clock going and they're going to give you those plays. They just don't want to give up the big play. At the end of the day, you look at the stats and it's it's not a true indicator at all of the game flow, how the game went or how the defense really performed. So I am not a personal big fan of yardage. I do think if you wanted to put in there a bonus for a spectacular game for yards against, um, I get, I could see that. But as far as like just giving points, like I know, I know of leagues that you get points, even if, you know, you get, you don't get that many points, but you get positive points. If you give up like 500 yards, 460 yards of offense. Now, in what world does that make sense where your defense gives up 460 yards and you're still accumulating positive? At some point, that should turn to negative if you're going to be giving points or minuses for yards against. But I think I like keeping it to sacks, formal recoveries, interceptions. Of course, we didn't, we didn't touch on special teams with special teams touchdowns, on punts, on kickoffs, uh, block punts for touchdowns, uh, a sack fumble for a touchdown, all of those go under the the defense special teams and accounts. But I am not a fan of of yards against. What what, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, it's so I brought it up specifically because I'm I've become such less and less a part of it. So I can understand maybe giving a bonus for something like 200 yards or under, but the rest of it seems extremely random. And it's something that I'm looking to get rid of in a lot of leagues that I'm in. So the league that you run, I, I like that you do it without yards, and that's why I brought it up specifically. So I, I'm looking to move away from yards uh, yards given up. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to be the type of league that is giving points for everything under the sun, then I think at some point for points against and yards against, you, start, you have to start – giving minuses otherwise you know you're going to have all defenses putting up the same type of scores i think defenses 
need to be rewarded for the outstanding game and equally as much a horrible defense needs to be punished. Uh, if, you, if your defense plays horribly, then, you know, it should, it should reflect in the fantasy score of that game. So that's my view as far as yards against. Um, I guess so for me, you know, I don't know if you have any other thoughts on, on any of this, the, the entire defense special teams category. But the, the, the thing that I'll wrap it up with is, you know, just don't look at defenses and rankings and, 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 and just, you know, go by somebody else's rankings and look at them, put some thought process into it. Look at the offense of the defense that you're going to draft. Are they going to be on the field? Are they going to be able to move the ball? Are they going to be playing with a lead? Uh, look at the division they're in. Look at the schedule. Look at the weather. The, it, 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 there are aspects into going into this and there's some research to be done. And the guy that really, you know, looks to, to, to do the research and, and, and find those defenses, you know, that could be the difference, whether you win or lose the league, make the playoffs and not make the playoffs. So that's my final thought on it. There, there, there are some things that, that go into it and things that you should analyze and look into it, even for a, a, a position as, uh, you know, people consider as simplistic as defensive uh, special teams. So, so it's funny, and I'll finish with this thought. Um, I happened to look at what one one guy was happened to be looking at for his projections for the coming year, and he has the Patriots as the number one defense. And when I looked at that, I completely laughed for, for multiple reasons. First of all, they, they've, they've actually lost some defensive talent. But when I look at that division, that division is one that's going to change rapidly. The, the, the Patriots are probably not going to win that division. All of those offenses should be improved, and I think that makes – and with their defense – sorry, with their offense likely to take a step down, that clearly will drag down their defense. So so I had a little bit of a chuckle to myself when I saw the, the Patriots ranked as the number one defense in fantasy. Now, I might be a complete fool suggesting that right now, but I see that's no way that that's happening this year. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, fantastic. Well, it's been fun going through all these positions. Um you know, we got ourselves up on, uh, on on Apple iTunes now, so hopefully everyone can uh, go on there and, and give a listen and you like the content that we're providing week in and week out. Uh, we are going to do a lot of pre-draft stuff, so very excited for all of that. Brett, I'll wish you uh, a very good weekend and uh, lots of fun again. Yep, we'll talk soon. Great. Thanks a lot. See ya. <laughs>